Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat, and it is a great day for hockey and a great day to watch Eric Carlson play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He will be suited up in action tonight against the Buffalo Sabres, as will Sidney Crosby, as will Evgeny Malkin, as will Chris Letang. And we'll talk about that here in just a couple minutes. But we're also going to talk today about Braden Yeager, what he looked like in his first training camp as it comes to an end. He sent back to the WHL's Moose Jaw Warriors. We'll talk a little bit about how the Penguins' power play looked at practice, the first practice that they actually Worked on the power play. How did that look? Nick Horowitz was there in person. We'll give you a report on what he saw yesterday. And then, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Tristan Jari because Jari really has kind of just faded into the back at training camp so far in the first week. Uh, it's obviously going to ramp up now that he's going to start getting playing time. He will also be out there on the ice today, but we'll talk about him in the final segment. But Horwat, after Tuesday's 4-3 to preseason loss, to the Detroit Red Wings. Mike Sullivan said the Penguins would begin working in their veterans tonight against Buffalo. I didn't think he meant all of them. Nope, yep, it's all of them. It's a starting lineup. I mean, he's gone through a couple of games where we talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets, where they're not a phenomenal team and not a standout team in the NHL yet. They have some good pieces and a great future. Uh, but they pretty much had their starting lineup in against uh, our B team, C team, considering it was a split squad match and the second one at that and then against Detroit it was I mean you said it was mostly their starting lineup I still there was like at least half the lineup I didn't recognize but it was still a bunch of starters a bunch of regulars um and now you know of course it's important for everyone to get their legs under them before the regular season starts and now it's going full throttle into this uh, game against Buffalo Sabres. I still wouldn't expect too much. You know, it's still mm-hmm. preseason. It's the veteran guys just trying to catch their speed again. Um, and it's just uh, going to be an interesting one. It's going to be the tech. I, I always, it always feels weird whenever preseason games happen. And then it's these guys making their unofficial, I guess is what you should yeah. call it, debut with the team. So we'll get to see all that for the first time too with a couple of, a couple of huge certain names. 
Mm -hmm. Now, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, obviously, those are names that everybody knows. Those are players that everybody's seen play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But this is the first time that the those three in particular returned to the ice at PPG Paints Arena to play an actual game action since that 5-2 to loss to the Chicago Blackhawks late last season that effectively ended their postseason streak. Now, Crosby is entering his 19th season, Malkin and Latang entering their 8th. Their 18th season. What do you expect from the Penguins' big three in their preseason debuts later on this evening? Uh, show the hunger early, I bet. I bet there's a little bit of, a, at least a little bit of drive and motivation to get off on the right foot right away here and start to build on things that they want to do in the regular season. Make sure the they knock the rust off in time for uh, game one and they're not still... You know, trying to catch everything once the regular season starts. They need a hot start. They need to um, get wins early, and they need to find their seat, get their sea legs out from underneath them quickly. Uh, so being up to speed early is going to be nice. It's not like uh, we'll see how the Nova Scotia game goes. I'm sure there's going to be a little extra intensity for that for the obvious reasons. But as for this, this is just going to be um, you know trying to find the find the mold again with certain guys, trying to gain chemistry with the new ones, and uh, going out there and just being a dominant, hungry force immediately. It'll be preseason, sure, but you know what? Showing that you are that hungry is going to be massively important for this team tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned, it is just an exhibition game, so you're probably not going to see Mike Sullivan line matching or anything like that. You're probably going to see them just roll four lines over the boards consistently just to get everybody some playing time, get everybody on the ice, get their feet underneath them. But at the same time with these three, obviously last season stung. And they've talked about that ad nauseum so far through training camp. They talked about that over the summer and any media availabilities that they had or anybody that they talked to in the media. And really, it seems as if, and a lot of people have said this online, the Penguins are going to play angry this year. They're going to play like somebody took something from them because they did. I mean, that postseason streak at the end of the day, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, they look at that as probably, you know, a nice feather in the cap. But at the end of the day, you know, they only have themselves to blame. And that's even more infuriating. When somebody takes something from you, that's 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 aggravating. But when you lose out on something because of yourself, that's when, you know, especially guys like this with the competitive drive that they have, that's when guys like this really start to step it up. So, yes, they are a little bit older, as a lot of people like to remind uh, us, and a lot of people like to remind them as well. But uh, I do think there's going to be a lot of fire in their guts, and some of that's going to come out tonight because they've been waiting all summer long, a summer that they've all said was a little too long. Uh, they've been waiting to get back on the ice in competitive action, and yes, there is practice. Yes, they did have those practice scrimmages, but this is really the first chance for them to go out there and take it out on somebody other than uh, their teammates. Yeah, it's it's something. It feels a little more real. It isn't two twenty minute running clock training camp yeah. uh, scrimmages, where that it, it those are useful to get certain things honed. But this is uh, the preseason is where the real action really happens. I mean, mm -hmm. especially for the stars, the guys that, that have their lineup spots certain that this is where they really try and wake up their uh, mind and body for the hockey season. This is where they take full advantage of of being on the ice. Uh, and then for the lower depth guys, it's them proving that they can cut it at during NHL games, like a, alongside and against uh, NHL faces. So, you know, it, considering that the last few names that on this Penguins roster that should be that might be getting uh, shots tonight are guys like Redeem Zahorna, Austin Wagner, 
uh, and some other depth guys. Thank you for pulling the roster up. I couldn't remember. Uh, it's going to be important for them even to uh, continue their stretch of a good camp so far, especially in the for the sake of redeems the Horna. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be the obvious top guys trying to you know, get back into their game, but then even the depth guys, they have stuff to fight for and they shouldn't be uh, slowing the pace down at all. It should be a, for a preseason game, it should be highly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned redeem Zahorna. He's obviously been highlighted in a lot of these preseason games so far, had another terrific performance against the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday afternoon. This is really where it gets important to continue to perform because redeem Zahorna so far ha- has stolen headlines, has mm-hmm. grabbed everybody's attention as a first line player. He's not going to be playing on the first line tonight. He's going to be playing in a role that if he makes the roster, he's going to be playing at in the regular season. What's he able to do with that amount of ice time, with those type of line mates against the type of competition that he'll be facing? That's what's going to be interesting. Obviously, uh, haven't looked at, at the Buffalo Sabres lineup as of yet, but I would assume at this stage of the preseason that you're going to see some NHLers in there as well. You would think so. I, yeah, because I asked uh, Sullivan yesterday about Zahorna and his play so far this camp, and they've been impressed with it. And uh, my big takeaway was because we were discussing Zahorna going into camp as, well, we weren't discussing him. He, we he, we kind of just assumed he'd yeah. be an early call-up if we need it. His position in his spot is basically set for the for the minor leagues in Wilkes-Barre. Um, Mike Sullivan said that uh, he's right in the thick of things. He's... Fighting yeah. for a spot, everyone knows he is, and he's doing a good job at forcing uh, a lot of conversation and a lot of thought into where he lands. So, um, if he's able to continue now that he's, you know, we saw him getting first line minutes. If he's able to continue this stellar play as an option, mm-hmm. as a depth role player, uh, that just speaks volumes to the amount of progress he's made in his year away. It's only been a year, right? Or is it a year or two? Kidding. Uh, it was a year. He was literally in Penguins training camp last season. Awesome. Yeah. So in just his year away, uh, he's grown. I mean, he was claimed off of waivers and things just didn't work out correctly. Um, Mm -hmm. But now he's back and hungrier than ever to make uh, the NHL. And the the chances seem higher than ever. I know we we know he came into this camp much lower in the totem pole than uh, we gave him credit for. But suddenly he's found himself right among the names of guys like, you know, that just got new contracts like Nolachari, uh, Matt Nieto and the, and, and the like. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands and an absolutely important guy to keep an eye on tonight, you know, tomorrow at uh, you know regular camp, and then if he's playing in Nova Scotia still. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Zahorna, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on. His battle to get to the NHL out of the opening roster continues this evening, but also important game for some key off-season additions who also get their first taste of Penguins hockey. Talking guys like Ryan Graves, uh, Riley Smith, Lars Eller, Nola Chari, all making their preseason debuts for the Pittsburgh Penguins this evening. Going to be fun to watch them really skate for the first time as Pittsburgh Penguins in actual action. Uh, it'll be nice to get some of their pictures updated so we can yeah. actually use them in stories. Uh, <laughs> so we're not Hopefully there's a photographer there tonight, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't one in Detroit, which kind of got irritating because we still don't have very many pictures of Valtteri Pustinen. Uh, But regardless, uh, then there's Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson is obviously the headliner of the offseason. First chance we'll see him in game action for the Pittsburgh Penguins, taking the ice at PPG Paints Arena, really, for the first time. What are you looking for from EK65 later this evening? Really curious to see what... uh his speed looks like his speed and his 
of offensive awareness. I, I mean, obviously he's been around the league for a long time. We are all well aware of what this all looks like. Um, but because he played for at least the last handful of seasons on the West Coast with the San Jose Sharks with a not very good San Jose Sharks at that. Uh, and let's be honest, uh, got quite a bit of uh, you know, not great things said about him and his game and up until last season because of his contract and because of his injuries. inability and his injuries, yeah, and his inability to really produce like he did in Ottawa before that one as well. Um, it's... I'm going to be interested to see what this brand new uh, scene, this brand new scenery can bring to him. This brand new, like, uh, I, I don't, I'm not coming up with the words today, but this mm-hmm. brand new breath of fresh air that he's going to have. And just yeah. if he's able to you know, see the ice just as well, bring his, uh, Mike Sullivan spoke highly of his speed. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. And then also um, just what his offensive awareness can bring to this team because we haven't had an offensive defenseman like this. Like we've had Crystal Tang forever. Yeah. But yeah. this is different. This is a new level of holy cow, this guy this guy could really be a forward if he, you know, was trained differently. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll be very interested to see what kind of offensive awareness he can bring to this blue line and I, I mean this is by proxy. I'm interested to see what Marcus Pedersen can do alongside of him. Yeah. Yeah, this is Paul Coffey. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. This is Paul Coffey, and Chris Letang is Larry Murphy. Both of them, yeah. potentially Hall of Famers. Paul Coffey, obviously, one that is more of a surefire one. And in that breath, that's the one thing I want to see tonight. I don't know if you're going to see it. I want to see a Paul Coffey-esque end-to-end rush from Eric Carlson. Doesn't have to score on it, but I just want to see the speed. I want to see what he does and the dilemma that he puts opposing teams in, particularly the defense, when he's rushing up the ice with that speed. We've seen it from Latang, but it's just different when Eric Carlson does it. Not to say take anything away from what Latang does and the, his ability to, t- to carry the puck up the ice, but Eric Carlson has that added speed. He has that you know, that capability to really make opposing defenses sweat it out. So I want to see that tonight. Whether or not we do, that's a different question, but that's the one thing I'm looking for. That's the one thing that when I see it, I'll be like, okay, I just, I needed to see that here before we get to the regular season, just to see what it looks like, obviously. But the early chemistry between him and Evgeny Malkin's line is is something else to keep an eye on, because that's likely going to be the pairing for a large portion of the season. Obviously, they're not deployed every single time together, but a lot of the times Chris Letang is going to play with Sidney Crosby's line and they're going to try to play Eric Carlson's line with Evgeny Malkin's line. How does that work? How does the transition flow? How much chemistry have they built up in the first seven days of camp? Plus those first couple of practices before camp officially began. So I want to keep an eye on that as well. How Carlson and Malkin are able to blend together at five on five. Yeah, it's that's going to be one of the interesting things to see because we don't normally think about a forward and a defenseman quote unquote sharing a line, right? I mean, yeah, let's. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, Carlson's going to end up playing with just about every forward on the roster just because of the way things filter. But yeah, that's probably the guy who'll spend the most of these two. Will probably spend a lot of time together. It'll be interesting to see if they are able to drive plays together and work well from a from an aspect that we've never really thought to look at before uh especially or at least this deeply we've never thought to really think of line matching when it comes to your own forwards and defensemen i mean if these guys be sharing the ice quite a bit we'll get to the power plane a little bit yeah um 
there's that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see, especially since both of them love to just haul the puck up the ice themselves and mm-hmm. create their own space. Uh, if, if they're able to create space for one another, um, it should really boost each other's uh, offensive prowess going forward. And this, it, Having Eric Carlson on the scene because of that play-driving ability that he brings is why I genuinely think all three of Malkin, Crosby, Latang, Latang to a different degree is something that you know he'll just have to do himself. But all three of them should see improvements over last season, and they were all pretty good last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Malkin and Crosby each over a point per game. Chris Latang scores forty-one points. Just and comparing or considering the season that he had off the ice, uh, he he played especially well once he returned uh, from everything that he went through at the beginning of the calendar year. But Eric Carlson makes his debut in 10 hours for the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Buffalo Sabres at PPG Paints Arena. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk a little bit about Braden Yeager as he returns to the WHL Moose Jaw Warriors. We'll talk a little bit about the power play, which you just mentioned, and then later on in the show, we'll talk about Tristan Jari. But as of right now, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Just a quick reminder before we get back to the show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast from. Just search Tip of the Iceberg, or you can watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. Again, just search Inside the Penguins, and that's where our, our podcast lives. That's where episodes of Iceberg to Go live. That's where episodes of Iceberg Recap will live after every single regular season game this season. And of course, locker room videos as well. The latest being Eric Carlson talking about the power play, which we will discuss here in just about five minutes. But before we get to that, Braden Yeager selected first overall back in uh, July, isn't it? First first round, but yes. What did I say? First overall. First overall. <laughs> first overall pick for the Penguins. Uh, but go. yes, first round pick, 14th overall. My apologies there, but uh, he's selected by Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins, the first draft pick of the Kyle Dubas era. And he want, uh, he rounds down. I can't speak. Uh, he rounds down his first training camp with the Pittsburgh Penguins being reassigned to the WHL's Moose Jaw Warriors yesterday. What did you think about Jaeger's first camp in Pittsburgh? Obviously, he's 18 years old. He's probably a year or two away from making any impact at the NHL level, uh, and that is if he progresses quickly. But uh, what did you think of the 18-year-old in his first showing uh, as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins? He didn't. He he never really looked out of place. I think that was a no. big part of it. He yeah. never looked like he was floundering for any sort of, um, floundering for any sort of ice just to kind of really set him he was setting himself apart as a very youthful young option in the future uh just an impressive uh a hockey sense and impress, impressive ability to play the game and uh it all started we can even take it back to before the training camp whenever the prospect challenge was happening he looked damn good there uh picking up mm-hmm. a couple of points along the way and helping the penguins you know pick up two out of the three wins um and once from the moment camp started, you could tell he was there. That first preseason game, I think he was centering the second line. I can't remember exactly, but mm-hmm. sure, he did, he may not have scored anything or you know recorded any points of notice. But that shootout goal was um, 
I mean, Aaron Dell isn't an NHL goalie, but he is no slouch. Uh, and he was able to not even make a move and still rip it past uh, a goalie with with promising NHL experience. Yeah. Um, and the future is bright for that kid. Like I said, he didn't look out of place. He looked pretty comfortable in any situation he was given through through the training camp, through the ex, through the exhibition games, because he played both of them through the prospect challenge games. He looks like he's going to fit right in in the NHL when he's ready. Uh, obviously, there's room to grow. You can tell that there's plenty of room for improvement and just yeah. gaining that knowledge of the game and of uh, NHL size and speed. But he's in the, I I don't want to start putting you know tracks on when he's going to be NHL ready, but <laughs> next year could be some real noise. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying NHL ready yet, but a hell of a lot closer than he was this year. Yeah, obviously that remains to be seen. But I think what you saw from Braden Yeager is that he did everything that he needed to do in his first training camp. I mean, he, the yeah. kid is 18 years old. He came up, and what did he do? He excelled against his age group when he went to the Prospects Challenge, which most people are in or around his age. He excelled. He was one of the best players on the ice for the Pittsburgh Penguin, Penguins in all three of those games. And then training camp begins, and then you start practicing with the big guys, and then you start those inter-squad scrimmages against guys like Evgeny Malkin, guys like Chris Letang, guys like Eric Carlson, future Hall of Famers that have a lot of experience in this game and have a fully formed game. Meanwhile, he's still working on his, and you could tell that, yeah, there was a little bit of a drop in productivity, but that's what you expect from an 18-year-old coming in. He's not Connor Bedard, who's going to come out and score 30 goals for the Chicago Blackhawks this year. But score 30 goals in the time, first month. <laughs> Connor Bedard's <laughs> unreal. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't expect him to be. And if you are expecting him to be that, then you need to lower your expectations. He went out there and he looked good. Like, he didn't, he wasn't a world beater. He wasn't one of the best players on the ice in those two preseason games. But he looked good he was noticeable his speed very evident against even nhlers i mean his speed against guys like dylan larkin alex Debrinket, very evident especially in the columbus game i thought he looked like one of the fastest guys on the ice and that is he's been touted as having you know a lot of foot speed and it's one of his strengths but i think that his overall game is at a really good place for an 18-year-old, and I'm excited to see how he's able to grow throughout the season. I'm not going to probably watch too many games uh, from Moose Jaw, but anytime they play the Swift Current Broncos, probably a tune-in time because uh, yeah. Owen Pickering should be down there as well. We'll see how yeah, we'll see how, how that Owen Pickering thing goes, and he's still skating with the injured squad, so there's no real yeah. progression or movement of note there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's also just kind of hard to find WHL games in the Eastern United States, but um, <laughs> yeah. it'll be, yeah, anytime that you are able to see or at least find highlights of Braden Yeager, do so. It's going to be fun to watch. He's got a great shot, too. I saw that a couple of times during yeah. camp. Yeah, he certainly has a really hard shot, uh, a shot that once he can rein it in a little bit, it does get a little bit sporadic with the accuracy, but once he can rein that in a little bit, uh, he could be a very dangerous player at the next level, of course. Long way to go, 18 years old, but uh, certainly a good start at his first career training camp. But speaking of, of training camp and practices, let's talk a little bit about the Penguins' power play because for the first time yesterday, they actually practiced it. They actually got on the ice, and we saw the Penguins' opening unit, or you saw, I should say, you saw the Penguins' number one unit hit the ice for the first time, all together practicing the power play. We discussed on Tuesday that the Penguins were going to try Carlson and Latang on the top unit to start the season. They look to be doing exactly what we talked about on Tuesday. Eric Carlson's at the point. 
Chris Letang is on the left half full or left flank, if that's the way you want to describe it. And then there's Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Ricard Raquel, who round out that top unit. When you saw it yesterday, Horwat, how do you think they looked in their first on-ice reps? You know, if, you're, if we're being honest, they looked a little choppy, but I think that's exactly what you expected from, as Sullivan put it, their first whack at it. It really was. They Sullivan said they did a little bit of, excuse me, a couple of reps uh, before, I believe, the split squad game or one of the exhibition games, uh, but it wasn't really anything of substance. It wasn't necessarily anything, uh, you know, against a harsher defense like this one was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a little choppy, but still you could tell there's going to be a lot of, a lot of puck movement, a lot of circling. And by circling, I mean like a lot of filtering through positions. Sullivan said, and Carlson said that, uh, once they get the scheme down and figure out how they want to, you know, really rotate everything, um, they're not going to be hard and fast positions on this, uh, on this power play because all five of them, especially when Gensel is healthy, have an ability to score. All five of them have an ability to pass the puck at a an elite level as well. Um, so there's going to be a lot of Carlson pinching in, Latang having to hold back on the blue line now, and then vice versa. There's going to be a lot of Jake Ensel probably doing net front all the time. That's fine. But a lot of Malkin opening up for shots on the other end of the boards, and then Sidney Crosby trying to facilitate it all. There's going to be a lot of movement. It's going to be quite entertaining to watch if they are able to hone it in. Like I said, everyone I think everyone thought it looked a little choppy. Um, I was sitting next to Steve Mears for some of it too. I noticed he was trying to get a video of them actually scoring. Never happened. They didn't score on it. <laughs> but again, first practice. Their literal first time give it, giving it a real go. Um, the goals will come. This is a group yeah. that all five of them can score. The goals will come. They might not be very pretty at first. We might get to see some of it tonight. Like I said, we're going to have all five of those names, except for Jake Gensel, obviously, but Ricard Raquel in uh, mm-hmm. for for this preseason game. If Buffalo takes the penalty, it's Buffalo. We don't know what team they they have yet. I looked for the roster, didn't find anything. Mm-hmm. We don't know what kind of team they have yet. But if they're starting their B team, oh boy, it yeah. it shouldn't be pretty. But we'll see how it goes. Regardless, <laughs> it's uh. Hey. It's going to be vaunted. It's going to be so much fun to watch, especially if they can get it to click. Hey, might get our second look at Zach Benson. You know, he he is certainly somebody that they're trying to get a good look at there in Buffalo. So you might get another opportunity for those who watch the Prospects Challenge game uh, against the Buffalo Sabres. Zach Benson played uh, like 40 minutes in that game because they were down to 10 forwards. <laughs> so uh, maybe you get to see Zach Benson. Maybe he's not forced to play two-thirds of the game this time. But, no, you mentioned it, and the most important thing you said there is fluidity, the ability to just shift around, shift positions. And I think when you have two skaters that are so good and so talented, like Eric Carlson and Chris Letang, who can both ride that blue line pretty much better than most in the National Hockey League, to be able to switch these guys and switch positions is going to make the Penguins so much harder to defend when they have that man advantage. Because a lot of the issues that they've ran into is that they get too stagnant. They sit in their positions, and they pass the puck from from position to position. Why? Because they have enough talent. They are good enough passers. They can get the puck there. But at the same time, when you're standing like that, stationary, it makes it so hard to defend. And I'm not saying anything that's not obvious, obviously. But the fluidity and the talent that these guys have, once they get on the same page and they can start switching out positions just willingly, like it's second nature, that's going to become... 
you would hope nearly impossible to stop. But as we've seen in the past, that doesn't always translate. You're hoping that it translates. You're hoping that with reps, it gets better. But like you mentioned, it's like an offensive line in football. These guys are all new to each other. Mm-hmm. This is a new system. They're maybe not entirely a new system, but they're going to introduce new concepts because they have a guy like Eric Carlson. You have to get used to things. And I saw in Josh Yoey's piece for The Athletic, he mentioned that Chris Letang has not played the left flank since 2010 when Sergey Gonchar left. Because Sergey Gonchar was the point spot. It's been 13 years. A lot has changed in 13 years for everyone. So for Chris Letang to be going back, it's basically like going back to a new position. It's basically like starting over there, despite playing there a decade and some change ago. Yeah, you can see it in the seven seconds that I post, the video that I posted to Twitter. You can First of all, you can see Eric Carlson being a mobile guy <laughs> right away. You can see him. So much speed. A ton of back and forth in a little area uh, near the blue line. And you can see Latang drop to that flank position that he hasn't played in 13 years. Does he whiff on the shot? Yeah. He also hasn't been there in how many years that we just <laughs> said. So it's going to be a work in progress. But again, Eric Carlson is easily able to find anybody on the ice. That wasn't an easy pass that he made to Latang in the video either. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a work in progress. But that's what this training camp, that's what these preseason games are for. Yeah. Um, and again, like we mentioned in the last episode, because we did talk about this before, but now we got to see it a little bit more and see that it's just a little choppy and it didn't all come together right away like we wanted it to. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> if things don't get put together, that's fine. We know what Latang can do as a power play, as the quarterback of a power play. And if you can s- split them up and have two solid quarterbacks on two units, suddenly you're on to something a little bit different with the scheming. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't exactly know who you fill into that spot because you need that right-handed trigger man, and they really, they really don't have one necessarily. Unless you want to sit. It'll Brian be Rust or Raquel. There. Yeah, I, I, I always forget Raquel's a right-handed guy. Which, by the way, also those two sharing a first line—that could be interesting. Yeah, that could... that's something we're definitely going to have to talk about. You'll see that probably later tonight, lined up against the Buffalo Sabers. But yeah, that, that <laughs> could be two interesting. righties with a lefty center is certainly interesting. And Raquel said it. I mean, we'll talk about it some other time. But Raquel said he's like sit on his backhand is basically like anybody else on their forehand. So uh, yeah. who cares? <laughs> who yeah, cares? That's, but that's yeah, you, that's what uh, Raquel was saying to uh, saying to us as well. It's that's a whole different conversation that we can have. But yeah, um, yeah this. This power play, no matter how it puts gets put together, if it doesn't work out early, like Sullivan already said, they'll pull the they'll pull the plug quickly if they need to. And like yeah. I just said, two quarterbacks is a lot better than one. Yeah, all you have to do is look at who they ran out there on their second power play unit to realize that yeah, they have options. Not to mention Jake Gensel is still practicing with the injured players, but their second unit was Riley Smith. Yeah, I think he could work. Uh, Brian Rust. He's worked in the past. Alex Nylander gets a shot up there on the second unit. That's nice to see. Marcus Pedersen, obviously a defensive defenseman, but has shown some glimpses of really promising offensive upside. Uh, He gets some time on the second power play unit at practice yesterday. And then P.O. Joseph, who honestly, he has taken a real big step this season. Uh, Obviously, you've talked about and you've heard Mike Sullivan say on Tuesday, he's light years ahead of where he was. You see on the ice, he has confidence. He is a guy that has taken command and came in and taken control of his position. And it's not even close anymore. It is P.O. Joseph's position on the third pairing on the left side. And seeing him get that opportunity on the second power play unit just further goes to show how much faith and how impressed the coaching staff is with P.O. Joseph. So he uh, he is uh, 
you know, leading the charge on the second power play unit. And it it's going to be, I expect a good season for P.O. Joseph. I'm not going to go out there and say anything ridiculous, but I expect a good season from the kid in his second full season. Yeah. And Mike Sullivan said he's light years ahead of where he was last year. And last year yeah. he looked really good. I mean, didn't look as good as, you know, Ty Smith at this point last year, but you know what, the fact that, uh, P.O. won the role and then played all season and looked really good doing it until the end, but no one looked good at the end. Um, <laughs> shows that he is completely ready to just stay just be the yeah. be an nhl player there's no more of this bus riding at the ahl there's no more of this is he going to stay in the lineup is he not he's here he's in um and being a part of a second power play unit <clears throat> while it is a small boost it is something and it is a fun thing to see mm-hmm. uh, for him moving forward i think he played part of it last year too um uh, but a little bit of yeah he played a little bit of power play last yeah. year and that's one of the beautiful things about guys like P.O. Joseph and Marcus Patterson is that they can really play both if they really need to. I'm really interested to see what Marcus Patterson can do with that position, by the way. Uh, he said <laughs> yeah. he wants more uh, responsibility and more roles on this team. And you know what? Offensively, like on a power play, is one of them. He's going to – he he told me whenever he's playing with Carlson, he's going to get more offensive looks himself just by the way Carlson plays, both mm-hmm. offensively and defensively. It's such an impressive – uh, skill set that Pedersen believes he's going to have more offensive opportunities open up for him and he just has to take advantage of them. That first mm-hmm. scrimmage, he had, I think I said this before, he had like three shots in the matter of 20 seconds or something like that. <laughs> one of them including a breakaway. So yeah, he's going to have those opportunities open up for him. And uh, last season, it wasn't a career year in assists, but it was damn close. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's what he did last year and now he's got <laughs> Eric Carlson on his, on his wing... This should be a fun year for Marcus Patterson, too. Yeah, we'll see what the Dragon is able to do. But obviously, the big importance for them is to be able to shield and protect Tristan Jari uh, to allow him to see shots. And, and we're going to talk about what we think Tristan Jari is going to be able to do this season. What's his ceiling, Horwat? That's what we're going to discuss right after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We are 12 days? This is it 12 days away from the opening of the Pittsburgh Penguins 2023-24 season. Sidney Crosby versus Connor Bedard. The Penguins versus the Blackhawks. That'll be the second game of the entire NHL season. Obviously, leading off with Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Nashville Predators at 5 o'clock that afternoon. And then at 7.30, Pens, Blackhawks at the paint bucket. It's going to be an interesting game. Uh, but the guy that we're expecting, and I would I would say if you're going to try to find a line on it, I would put your money on this to start a net for the Pittsburgh Penguins on their opening game, is Tristan Jari. Mm-hmm. He's beginning a new five-year contract this season. Last year, he went 24-13-7 with a 9.09 save percentage, a 2.90 goals against average, and 7.4 goals save above expected. Not his best showing the numbers did dip a little bit but still respectable numbers for Tristan Jari in a year where he dealt with a hip injury throughout the entirety of the season so Horwat, the question is what is Tristan Jari's ceiling this season are you willing to take a chance on saying he's going to be a Vezina finalist like I did last season um it's hard to say because so many goalies just continue to get better <laughs> and yeah I mean, let's be real. Guys that should have been in the conversation or maybe should have even won the award last year just weren't. 
even nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't help that Linus Olmark had an absolutely uh, unexpected year and one that he likely won't even come close to again. Um, so it's hard to really say because you know, UC Sorrow should have been in the conversation, wasn't even nominated. Mm-hmm. Connor Hellebuck is going to come in hungry. Uh, Vasilevsky is going to come in hungry. You're considering how his season ended. There's goalies that are going to push for a Vesna, but as for Jari himself, um, the ceiling is a career year, right? Really? That's, yeah. The ceiling is just the best number he's put up uh, in a single season so far. Does he reach it? It's hard to say, We, I, I, but I bet it's, it's definitely possible. I would say mm-hmm. that's the ceiling for him. We, he, we know he's going to come in healthier. We know he's going to come in rejuvenated with a new deal and looking to prove a ton of people wrong. It's still here all the time, people discussing that um, how could Kyle bring uh, Tristan Jari back after his issues? Look at the free agent market. Who yeah. was who else was he going to get from the free agent market? Well, he could have traded for someone. He was focused on trading who? for Eric Carlson. That, well, that. Who, who also who got traded? Did yeah. Gibson get traded? Did No, that did... that too. Exactly. None of them got traded. And when it comes to well, you could have traded for someone. Okay, well Eric, or, uh, Kyle Dubas came into the Penguins organization looking for Carlson. He said it he, he that was part of the interview process for him. He said this is what I want to do with our defense. <laughs> So yeah. if that's if that was his goal, if that was Kyle Dubas' goal for the offseason was acquiring Carlson, well, you can't then acquire a goalie because what pieces do you have left? Because at that point, yeah. you're sacrificing your Carlson trade. You just have to look at and figure out which one is going to help your team improve more. Carlson mm-hmm. would over a new goalie, especially if you're able just to re-sign the goalie you had. So yeah. he was the best option available free agent-wise going forward. Uh <laughs> The ceiling is a career year. We will get the numbers yeah. on that in a minute while I throw my headphones around. Yeah, while you're looking at that, I'll, I'll obviously give my response. Now, the, the Vezina thing I'm joking about. Last year I did predict. I said, you know what? He's going to finish uh, as a Vezina finalist. That was my prediction last season, and it it did not come to pass. Uh, it did not at all. And I'm not going to predict it this year. I'm not, not silly enough to predict that whenever he had the season that he had, but... I will say I wouldn't be surprised if he went out there and put up Vezina caliber numbers simply because of really the team in front of him is is miles better than it's been in a couple of seasons. I think this is the best team the Penguins have had since the 2020-21 season when they had, you know, Brandon Tanev, Mike Matheson, Jared McCann uh, was having a really good season that year. Kasperi Kapanen scored, I believe, 30 points in 40 games that season. That was the season that we expected, oh, okay, Kapanen's going to be a great great piece of this team coming back because he had 30 and 40. You know, that team was very, very good. And obviously, that team also won the, the weird East division. That team played in a division where you only played seven teams throughout the entire season. And then we saw what happened when they got to the postseason against the New York Islanders. But, you know, the season that Tristan Jari had that year and the year after that were really solid years. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the Vezina conversation at some point this season. I'm not going to predict it. I'm not going to put the expectation out there. But, you know, if he goes out and does it, I'm not going to be like, wow, I, this is this is unbelievable. I couldn't, I couldn't see this coming because I could potentially see him being at that level, especially if the team in front of him comes together the way that Kyle Dubas is really hoping that it does. Yeah, it, looking at the numbers for those seasons, I mean, the 2019-20, the year where he was still, where Matt Murray was still in the organization, uh, he was 
20, 12, and 1. That's a pretty solid number. He had his career high in uh, save percentage with a 0.921. That's mm. pretty good, especially for 33 games. Um, but then that following year where it was uh, the lockdown, we're only playing a handful of games season with uh, he was 25, 9, and 3. Yeah, that's a good year. Didn't receive any Vesna votes, but you know what? I forget what every other goalie did that year. Um, yeah. But he was still at 909. That could have been part of it. That's not phenomenal. That's not outstanding. That's not uh, the 942 he put up the next year. Sorry, the nine. Sorry, the 919. I was like, the, I was I, about to say, what? When did he do that? 2.42 goals against average. You see where okay. I got the 42 from. They're sitting right next to each other because last that, that year, the 21-22 yeah. year, you could consider his career year 34 18 and 6 a 0.919 and a 242 those are solid numbers for those were Vesna worthy numbers it's understandable why you would go into last season thinking and predicting Vesna more Vesna Vesna style numbers yeah now injuries got in the way some inconsistencies got in the way I mean am I saying there's no reason why he couldn't go back to it kind of there's not any reason why he couldn't go back to it yeah so it's yeah. If he's able to continue his trend and just take 22-23 as a, we're going to pull that one out and ignore it because things happen in careers, right? He's yeah. going to have a long career ahead of him. He's only in, going into his eighth season, part of his eighth season. Sometimes you just look at a goalie's career uh, stat line and just go, we pull this one out, we got a Hall of Fame goalie. So you've got plenty of room to grow still. He's got more hunger than ever. Absolutely agree with you that he could easily put up those kind of numbers again. And if I'm saying a career year is the ceiling, he should put up these kind of numbers again. Well, you mentioned a career year, and you mentioned a couple seasons ago where he set a career high in 34 wins. I guess my question would be, do you think he passes that this season? I very much think he needs to. <laughs> he's got he flirt to. With, he's got to flirt with 40 to make this team uh, really good because defensively, it's gotten better. But w- what kind of lineup did we just talk about? A lineup that has... Eric Carlson and Crystal Tank sharing, uh, sharing a right side. As as great as that is, the defense is not. That's not the same amount of defense being put up in front of him as, mm-hmm. like what the uh, Colorado Avalanche are able to throw out every year, or the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes every season. <clears throat> the bottom six got a lot better defensively. That's for certain as well. Um, but a healthy Tristan Jari, your best defenseman is your goalie. So mm-hmm. there's, uh. Plenty of room for him to continue to show his skill that no one ever doubted. Flirting with 40 is what he's going to need to do to really um, push this team over the edge. And if he gets around that number, forget about it. This team's going to be a top three team. (laughs) Well, I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2021-22, when he got those 34 wins, they were the third seed in the Metropolitan Division. There's a chance that... He doesn't reach the 30, like he could, he could not reach the 34 wins and the Penguins still be a playoff team and him still have good numbers. And that's mainly because I think the one sabotage factor here that kind of throws a wrench into it is the backup goaltender situation. How much do you trust Alex Nedeljkovic? How much do the Penguins trust Alex Nedeljkovic? And thirdly, you know, how many games is he going to play? How much work are they willing to put on Tristan Jari's shoulders after seeing the last two seasons that he got hurt at the end of the one year? And, you know, the following season, he gets hurt all season long. And he, he wasn't even available back the season before that uh, in the postseason when he got hurt by getting, you know, Andrews Lee fall on him. So the question 
does arise, like, where does the line get drawn with the backup goaltender? How much work does Alex Nedeljkovic get this season? He's looked good so far in camp, but I think that's the only sabotage factor. I would say, you know, once we get to our season predictions, um, our predicting, I'm assuming Tristan Jari wins is on that list. Um, I'd probably go higher than 34. I would say that he probably sets a career high, but I don't know. The the Alex Nedeljkovic factor is something that we're going to have to keep an eye on, especially because I think he's looked good in camp. You know, talking about the backup goaltender, you know, with him, and then obviously Magnus Helberg is a, a new goaltender as well. That's going to be the number three heading into the season. Are you more or less comfortable with the backup goalie situation this year than you were last season? I'm far, I'm far more comfortable with it this year. That's without doubt. Um, Sure, Alex Adelkovic has a lot of rebranding to do for himself, <clears throat> a lot of rebuilding to what he was before. Um, but we're in that change of scenery stage with a lot of guys on this team, <clears throat> and he's a big part of it. The team seems to really like him already. They're putting put him out there for uh, three games, and it should be pretty interesting. Three, two, two, two already. I think we've played three. He's yeah. played in two of them. It'll be interesting to see where he's able to grow and. He seems to be running away with the number two position uh, mm-hmm. in the goalie race. Uh, I need to re-listen to what Mike Sullivan said about goalies in there um, and utilizing the depth. Rob Rossi asked him uh, something about how goaltending has changed because you know number one goalies used to play like nearly 60, 70 games yeah. almost in a season. Things have changed a lot since then. Part of Sullivan's answer was how the Golden Knights just used four goalies to win the Stanley Cup Um, through necessity, but um, they won with a goalie that you wouldn't expect to be the starter for a Stanley Cup winning team in Aiden Hill. Uh, So uh, there's a lot of reason to believe that Tristan Jari won't play, you know, I mean, he got his career high in wins in 34 whenever he played 58 games. There's a lot of reason to believe he won't play 58 considering what you're bringing up here, the Alex Nadelkovic factor. Maybe yeah. they roll three sometimes. Maybe they give Helberg a lot of calls. Who knows how that works? Um, it will, it'll really, I mean, I'm like I said before, I'm comfortable with the backup goalie situation on this team. DeSmith was good, but th- in my eyes, uh, the backup goalie position is one that you filter through a lot. It's just the way it is in this league and in this sport. You filter through those guys. Um, and DeSmith stayed here for a lot longer than maybe he should have. Now we have a couple new faces in, both on one-year deals that, at least for Nadelkovic, needs he wants to prove himself and possibly move on and be a starter again somewhere. It's probably his main goal, right? He's here to really rebuild his career and prove he can be a starter again. Yeah. If we're able to get him back to his level, suddenly Jari's not playing 58. Maybe he's down yeah. to 50. You know, He only That's played 47 50. last year and he was injured. 58 so, games and he got injured at the end of last season that season when he when he played yeah, 58 he got yeah. injured at the end of that season and and missed i think the last like seven games straight he would have played three or four of them yeah i forgot about he that been too. over he would have been like 62 63 games that season that's ridiculous i mean casey DeSmith had a horrible season that year at yeah. least especially to start which is why tristan jari was just absolute workhorse early in that season but 58 games with an injury at the end of the year that cost you like 10% of the season, it's uh that's crazy. But no, Alex Nadolkovich, he's looked good so far. I mean, he was shelled 
in Detroit. He was absolutely shelled against the Detroit Red Wings. And you expect that whenever you they put out a lot of their A squad and you put out majority B squad, that's going to happen. I mean, guys like Dylan Larkin, Alex Dabrinkit, they're going to take advantage. So um, he looked pretty good. There were a couple of goals that he, he might have wanted back. I think two of the four goals he probably would have wanted back. But at the same time, you know, it's preseason. It's time to get sharper. And, you know, I think he's looked good in that game and, and certainly looked good on Sunday. We talked about it on Tuesday's uh, episode that 18 saves on 18 shots looked sturdy, played the puck well. You know, what more could you ask from him? I thought he looked good on Tuesday as well. And I do have, have faith and have confidence in Alex Nedeljkovic. He never got his feet underneath him in Detroit those two years. And hopefully coming to Pittsburgh with a, a defined role as a backup, He's able to get his feet underneath him and, and recapture some of that magic that he had in Carolina three seasons ago. And the Penguins get a good tandem because, mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned, you need more than one goaltender to win in this league. You can't just have a workhorse unless their name is, you know, Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, so and it's going to be an interesting season for a lot of different reasons. And Alex Nedeljkovic is certainly going to be uh, one of those names on that list. But we're going to uh, not we're going to we're not going to take a quick break. We're going to take a, a long break. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday of the tip of the iceberg. Make sure you continue to check out the feed for episodes of iceberg to go as well as some video content from Horowat as he heads to Penguins training camp throughout the remainder of camp uh, through next Friday. But that's going to be it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 